Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio, where each week we talk to a musician, artist, author, or other creative Mississippian working in the arts across the state. I'm your host, Melody Moody Thordis, Director of Grants at the Mississippi Arts Commission. On today's show, I'm speaking with Erin Shivey Rockwell, a professional dancer and choreographer currently serving as Professor of Dance at Belhaven University, as well as the, as the Director of its MFA program. Erin is also a former Arts Commission Fellowship recipient. Erin, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, you um, have spent your career as a dancer, and you are now teaching at Bellhaven. And so I want to talk to you more today about, you know, your journey as an artist and and learning dance and growing your skills. And so I want to start by asking you, as a professor of dance, um, you know, working with college students, I feel like they're always they're always introducing Um, us to what they're experiencing that's so different from us and is there anything about that 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 has stuck out to you in in working with college-age students? Yeah um, that's great that's one of the things I love about working with um, college students is um, it's a continuing education for myself and always an encouragement to see like you know, they kind of ask what's happening in the field, which is wonderful. And I said, but you are going to be defining what is happening in the, in the field. Um, and that has been obviously um, shifting quite a bit in the last um, just even recent couple of years. And then especially with COVID, as it has affected um, dance in, in extraordinary ways, um, as it has many things. Uh, but dance is definitely a social art form. Um, I've always said you can't do a whole lot of dance in a vacuum. Uh, you can kind of practice in a studio by yourself. You can create solos on yourself. Um, but there's collaboration with other people all the time um, and then interaction with an audience. And that's the biggest thing that's kind of shifted in the last year is just the interaction, the the physical interaction um, that has been limited because of COVID and uh, social distancing. And um, just the uh, restrictions and possibilities uh, that have opened up because of kind of creative solution of um, still creating work in, um, in dance. So, finding kind of new solutions to working together and collaborate um, to partner without physical contact. Um, And then just honestly to be grateful for the joy of movement and the ability to continue um, dancing with or around one another um, as so many people across the country have been on their own in living rooms or other not as uh, desirable kind of um, places for dance. So 
um, forced to go kind of site specific in small rooms or places with carpet or or different things like that and so looking at a lot more um, innovation in film which is something that I have um, kind of dabbled in and been interested in over the years. So I know that um, obviously like with the ac- academic side of teaching dance, you know, you can do Zoom and things like that during COVID. How did how did it work for you guys? I'm just curious to teach, you know, movement and like you said, this physicality, um, social distance or like how did that work? Our our departmental motto came like became flexibility and adjustment and there was just so much um you know it it was difficult but it was so much wonderful outcomes of learning how to adjust to things quickly um because we had some people that needed to be quarantined right before performance that we had in the fall um, which was a very disappointing experience for those who had to step out Um, but was also a very bonding experience for those who had to figure out how to adjust choreography and performance at the last minute, Um, which is not always, you know, something that they're gaining skill in um, unless we see an injury or something like that happen. So um, they're learning just awesome skills of creativity, how to... um, adjust quickly how to support one another and be encouraging um, through uh, you know difficult kind of times and how to mainly adjust quickly so flexibility yeah it sounds like a direct um, line almost to uh, improv you know really really having to to lean on that skill or to strengthen that skill yes um, in a very real way yeah, which is one of the areas of my interest, too, and passion. Unfortunately, I, I do a lot more with contact improvisation, and that's physical contact. So that's been a struggle. But I've always said, like, it's just the thing that most naturally comes out um, as, as, less, as life lessons learned, sort of, in the dance class um, is often around improvisation because life truly is an improvisation. There's a lot that we (laughs) try to control, but the reality is we really don't have that control over everything. We have the ability to adjust to the circumstances and, um, and kind of work with them. And that's, that can be actually a very freeing and exciting place to approach um, art and creativity and life. Well, um, it's an excellent segue to asking you about, um, you know, as a dancer growing up and, um, you know, because often, you know, dancers start so young. I'm curious about your early memories in kind of engaging with the arts, engaging with dance. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in um, a pretty small town in the Rocky Mountains, um, Steamboat Springs. So many people have heard about Steamboat because it is a ski resort. Um, and it's right in a beautiful valley in the Rocky Mountains, but very long, harsh winters, and I am very cold-natured, so I kind of froze my whole life there. Um, So I'm one of those few people that enjoys the the warmth and humidity (laughs) of Mississippi, but um, so I can appreciate that, but it was just a beautiful place, but very small, 
um, and not as much access to, um, you know, big organ arts organizations or things like that. We were really fortunate, um, rather, when I was rather young, to have um, a very experienced um, ballet uh, dancer come in and a great teacher come in um, and build a program. And she, um, so she, she built a, a dance program in the town. Her name was uh, Julie Sneedon, and she started Ballet Northwest, which is where I kind of grew up dancing. And instead of um, recitals or just small um, dances to kind of show progress, uh, she really created full ballet productions. Um, so we were involved in creating some of the costumes and the scenery, and we learned a lot of what went into costume design or just all the aspects of a performance. So even when I was very young and, you know, playing animals or snowflakes or flowers like you often do in ballets, um, it was a full production and I was some part of something much bigger. And that, I think, really left um, an impression on me of being, you know, a, a piece of a bigger story a piece of a bigger um, kind of work of art and appreciated um, that aspect of growing up. Um, and then you made a shift, obviously, from, you know, performing as a young person to deciding to explore this in college, um, both, you know, undergrad and grad school. So I'm curious, um, you know, what what kind of I don't want to say motivated you necessarily, but but you had to have a certain um, inspiration or desire to move forward with that as a career. So so what made that jump? Yeah, that's a great question, too. It was one of those things that I felt like dance would always be a part of my life. And I didn't know exactly where, how I was not one when I was younger. You know, people ask me, oh, do you want to be a ballerina when you grow up? And to be honest, my answer was no. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. And um, somewhat, when growing up, I knew. I mean, I'm so grateful for the background, and most of it was in ballet. But I did have some experience in more contemporary dance and whatnot. But always kind of felt like there's there's more. There's more to this this dance um, art, and um, just more possibility of creativity. So I think even in high school, it was um, actually in high school, I started um, our first dance showcase in the, in the um, high school. So, and I, I choreographed and was actually encouraging other people to choreograph. So I had an interest pretty young in creating work through movement. Um, and I think that's probably what led me. I was, I was also very, um, involved in sports and particularly volleyball and just loved movement in general and learning that. Um, and that both um, supported dance in so many ways and was in conflict with dance, mostly scheduling wise. Um, and so that was kind of a choice going into college of, you know, you can play sports and you can dance, but you can't really continue to do both. Um, so I knew dance was a part of my life, but I didn't, I didn't really know how. And I think there was a, a nagging feeling that um, I was interested in, in choreography for sure always, but 
but also teaching. Um, but my mom was a public school teacher and I just saw how that was not necessarily the most glorious or um, uh, well-thanked job. And I thought, I'm never going to be a teacher. And, and then um, have, have since discovered that that's definitely a passion of, I have and have always had. But um, I think there is also a difference of working with um, you know, older people specifically interested in pursuing something that they are very interested in and love and there's um, something beautiful to cultivate so it's it's less like you have to learn this information and more how do I facilitate an environment and cultivate your own kind of artistic voice and interest as a teacher so um, yeah so I, I did study that but I went to a small school that didn't necessarily have a huge program or a big dance program known for the program it's actually um, St. Olaf College in Northfield, Minnesota. And, um, and I just loved um, that atmosphere of study though. Um, and I knew that after college, um, I, I moved to New York City for four years. And I did that specifically because it was a large city. Um, most of what I had heard about was probably scarier than it, than it really is, you know, big city. Um, so I wanted to go and sort of struggle in the sense, you know, just in life and professionally to let sort of the sifting, you know, sifting sands almost kind of um, figure out where it all shifted and what landed in, um, you know, in, in my view and in my heart and mind and kind of creativity. So I felt like that was um, a great place to go and have to kind of be on my own, not just um, in life trying to figure out how to kind of make um, a living and pay the bills and those kind of things, but also just be on my own professionally and have those experiences. And I did perform quite a bit, uh, mostly independently in New York, um, but ended up really pursuing and at the time worked with a somewhat up-and-coming company called Notes in Motion and at the time it was a collaborative company so I had the opportunity to do a lot of choreography and work there and did some independent choreography outside of that that was able to present just around the city and and kind of build a portfolio and experience of creating work um, and also performing in work as as well. I'm Melody Moody Thordis, and you're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast. You can also hear the show on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. To hear all our conversations with creative Mississippians, be sure to subscribe to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast on your favorite podcasting app. contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult and yes you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things listen to Fix It 101 podcast everywhere. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. Each week on the Arts Hour, representatives from the Mississippi Arts Commission speak with different Mississippians working in the arts. Today, I'm speaking with Aaron Rockwell, dancer, choreographer, and professor of dance at Bellhaven University. Well, um, so you mentioned meeting your husband, um, Owen, who is uh, a frequent collaborator of yours in New York. So um, I, what brought you guys uh, to Mississippi? I know there's probably a, a lot in between. But, yes. Um, you know. Yeah, I'll try to give you the short version. Short version is we met um, kind of August of that year um, in, I think, February. I figured out and decided that I was leaving the city and moving to California to pursue a degree in MFA in dance at Cal State Long Beach. Um, I moved to California and then things shifted in his life and he realized that he had um, maybe more to pursue with me than um, necessarily in New York and so he moved for a very quick minute to um, Long Beach, California um, and then uh, an opportunity to teach at Jackson State University came up for him and um, just seemed like a, a great time to make that happen. So he actually moved in the middle of the year in January and started teaching at Jackson State. Um, that was my first year of grad school, first of three, kind of two and a half. And so, um, yeah, so he moved here. Uh, to Jackson and I stayed in California and um, studied dance and uh, in his time here he actually met uh, the director of the dance program here at Bellhaven and he got involved in playing for classes a little bit because he was pretty busy at Jackson State and worked with the Sonic Boom, the marching band there and so that kept him very, very busy. Uh, but basically, long story short, uh, we ultimately decided to get married. That was um, in December, and I moved here in January um, to kind of be with him. And in the in the meantime, had actually met um, the director here at Bellhaven and discovered that um, that there might be an opportunity to start teaching a little bit, and um, basically started you know, teaching that spring, I was still actually finishing a film and um, a, a project report, a thesis, um, written paper. So I was kind of at the end of grad school and starting kind of a teaching career here. Um, and then just realized that this was sort of a perfect fit where um, there was so much for me to learn as an artist and a Christian artist and um, and then there was so much for me to give like the, a lot of what was sort of needed um, and desired of was was the places that I had interest in in technology and I built a technology program um, I've since kind of been working on building a Pilates um, certification and instructor training program in the last few years which is another aspect of what I do and um, was able to kind of, you know, teach in a lot of different places, including choreography in, a, in different classes, choreography, um, composition, and um, improvisation, as I mentioned, as well as just modern dance technique. And have also since we built a, a master's program and have been a part of building the curriculum there and kind of shifting that. So. Yeah, so um, as I say, 
Owen kind of get, dragged me to Mississippi kicking and screaming. Um, for some reason, I was like, that's not the place I thought I was um, headed in life. And then um, have found that in so many ways, there's been a perfect fit um, just professionally and, and, and what a wonderful opportunity to just kind of continue to grow and then share some of my experiences elsewhere with students and other local artists in our community. It, it sounds like ultimately the timing really worked out and being able to, you know, get in with Bellhaven at the right time. Um, and then it, Owen is still at Jackson State, is that right? Uh, no, he actually has since, he taught there for about seven years um, and kind of made a career shift um, a you know, he, he still actually, well, he teaches now at Bellhaven University. So he teaches in the music program, um, teaches percussion but spends um, a lot of his time in the dance program. He's actually the director of music in our dance program, and so he kind of coordinates all our musicians, and we have quite a few because we are so fortunate to have live music in most of our technique classes. And he's done um, some collaborations with different choreographers um, and, and faculty members here and is um, just pursuing almost, uh, he's actually kind of started a program where musicians can come and study how to become dance musicians, so accompanying dance classes and kind of working um, in that realm. And some of his students have um, kind of grown into that and that's been sort of a wonderful, beautiful experience. And I think one thing that he, he loves um, teaching, but I think more, even more so, he loves playing music. And um, this has been a wonderful outlet that he feels like every class he gets to kind of compose and create on the spot. So there's a lot of improvisation he gets to do and a lot of experimentation with music that he um, got to be a lot more hands-on. Um, and that became, I think, more of an interest than um, the marching band side, which was definitely a background he had, um, but a shift in interest of kind of his uh, artistic pursuits. It's so interesting to hear you say that Bellhaven has come to the point where there is a director of music um, in within the dance department. And so I'm curious, it sounds like you're saying that nearly all uh, of the dance classes now involve live music, or is that more for the modern, or how does no. that work? Yeah, wow. that is both in our ballet and kind of modern track. And uh, yeah, we're just really grateful for that. I think when I came in, um, there was a few um, live musicians playing mostly a little bit in ballet um, and a little bit in the modern classes, but I would say the majority of the classes, yeah, were probably done to recordings. And it is such a just vastly different experience for um, students and faculty, um, for, you know, performers and um, choreographers to work with live musicians. And that's been something um, that I definitely have uh, had an interest and pursued specifically. And then obviously meeting my husband and who was always interested in dance, he's had, um, I think, a big um, part to play in that, um, but also just the department supporting um, really that collaboration with uh, local 
musicians and artists and just knowing the richness that that brings because they're um, you know the musicians in the space are it's it's so fun to see their enthusiasm and excitement and sometimes their learning process too because like it might be this is new to them to play for dance and you have musicians that are used to you know gigging in the community and playing with lots of different kinds of musicians but there's just a different energy and communication style and so I've worked with several sort of musicians new to dance and like just seeing the, the interest and excitement on their face and then just the physicality like they physically enter the room differently because I think they are able to express themselves um, even just more freely, openly, physically. They they move. Some of them have gotten up and danced, or like in the in the breaks as we're learning movement. I love when <laughs> musicians get up and are trying to figure it out. Or um, Owen just went to a workshop in New York with the Mark Morris Dance company who does kind of this training program for dance musicians and they took ballet classes and modern classes and just he was excited and open to it and he's got a really good friend who also accompanies in a different state with dance classes and they talk about dance and dancers it's just so cool to see um, those interactions and then with our you know students who yeah, have struggled mu with musicality or, or really kind of understanding it. Owen actually teaches a course for all of our um, dance majors now that looks at, at music and interaction with that. And so there's just been a, just a beautiful building of that collaboration of live music um, and dance. And it, I think it really goes two ways. I mean, I've worked with um, musicians that you know, are in heavy metal rock bands and they're like, ballet's cool, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, then, and then just some who would never, you know, necessarily step into a dance concert and then realizing, wow, this is amazing. And then I think also dancers realizing how much um, art musicians and live music brings to the energy and atmosphere of the of the you know of the dance class and um yeah it's been something that i've been uh so excited to be a part of and in some ways very spoiled as a instructor to have musicians you know when i have to teach a class and find music to support the class um i mean i'm i'm kind of lucky because i have lots of musicians who's given me music that works really well with dance but it's just not the same it doesn't have the same energy level it doesn't have the same ability to improvise um to the needs and the desires and the interests of the students for that day and that's something that i love is i shift i have plans but more often than not they are in flux shifting to the moment you know and the need of the group and the interest of of something i can shift on a dime and say we're not we're not we're not in this together we're not getting it so what do we need to do or talking in communication with the musicians of like it doesn't seem like they're hearing the same beat that you are what is that and so we can have dialogue within the classroom and it's it's just a neat a wonderful you know neat experience <laughs>
Hi, I'm Melody Moody Thordis, and you're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast. You can also hear the show on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. To hear all our conversations with creative Mississippians, be sure to subscribe to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast on your favorite podcasting app. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Melody Moody Thordis, and today I'm speaking with Erin Shivey Rockwell, dancer, choreographer, and professor of dance at Bellhaven University. Uh, so, Erin, earlier in our conversation, we were talking about your journey as a dancer and a teacher. And I'm curious to talk to you about your work as a choreographer. Um, and for our listeners who may not really understand um, the kind of dance choreography that you have referred to, I'm curious if you could walk us through um, kind of your process um, or processes in different cases for how you might go about uh, choreographing a piece, putting it together, and ultimately um, resulting in a performance? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And uh, definitely one that varies a lot between choreographers and then for me personally varies between um, each project. I uh, have always loved to kind of give myself um, either some rules or boundaries or goals um, each uh, each piece I kind of create and it depends on um, what it's for you know I, I did you know grow up with a, a classical um, ballet background and, and things like that but I always felt like I had um, more interest in creating movements like like actually developing new movements so that's a huge part of my process is just um, how to go about developing movement and sometimes I will do that and sort of pass movement on to dancers but a lot of times and more and more um, I kind of work more collaboratively and either give like activity type assignments to create and then take some of the, some of the movement that dancers are creating and combine it um, in, in different ways, whether that's kind of layering dancers um, kind of movement with others, uh, taking movement and creating a duet, like physical duet out of that, or um, taking that movement and transferring that um, into like a, a different sort of realm, whether that's adding a prop. Um, recently did kind of a, a piece with chairs. This was my answer to social distancing is everybody had a chair that was six feet apart and we kept them. Um, and then kind of an answer to I can't um, 
come into partnering contact with others, but we have the ability to use different surfaces with a chair or, you know, those kind of things, just like how to, um, how to solve problems. So there's a lot of like little problems that I set up for myself, um, that kind of thing. And that might be just tangible problems in the space or, um, how to, you know, build more trust. Like I built a whole piece of like, I just, sometimes felt resistance from some of my students um, about really trusting a process that didn't look like what they were familiar with, which was probably more like, here's the movement, now do it, do it better, do it better, do it better, kind of perfecting a technique behind it, um, and more like, how do we build a community, and how do we build um, the feeling of being human on stage because it was it's just been interesting to me especially in the last many years like I'm aesthetically have shifted a lot to really being much more interested in seeing kind of real humans not humans playing a role or trying to perfect um, a physical task um, but you know but more authentically um, it, uh, interacting on stage. So kind of built a piece of, with five, five dancers, five great dancers, but, you know, not necessarily ones that were, um, as comfortable, you know, being that vulnerable, um, as being their self on stage and just kind of how to take physical risk. So there was physical risk in the partnering, of that piece that um, brought a sense of, of danger and of true need and dependence on one another because they had to be very, very present in order to not sort of drop one another um, in, in a dangerous situation. So um, it could be something like that. Um, I have another piece that did in the last few years, um, which, um, my, my only approach to that piece was thinking about what it really truly meant to be kind of made in the image of God. And we did so much discussion and looking at video and um, the whole first semester process, luckily I had a year to kind of create this, um, was so much of the students writing um, their thoughts and experiences or their reactions to films or um writings that I brought in and what emerged from that um, we actually had a work in progress in the fall and then completed it in the spring and it was a scary place because it was it was a very incomplete piece when we showed it in the fall and um, I had this moment where I actually asked the audience to sort of imagine what would be happening in this in this blackout and had them respond um, through kind of internet of their ideas and I had so much interaction and reaction and um, and it created a whole piece. It was a very collaborative piece where it was like I had, I had some images, I had the idea of these um, costumes that connected with one another physically, like they literally had buttons and connected and they ended up turning into screens that had live and pre-recorded projection onto them and the whole piece became much more about imagination and how we were kind of built 
with that um, reflection. And, um, and it, it became this just amazing sort of interaction of everybody's ideas that sort of facilitated into something um, and a, not necessarily a story, but definitely um, an experience that one could kind of relate to, um, you know, similar to just hopefully a, a wonderful movie that has these visual images that just keep your own imagination alive. And um, that piece, you know, again, I, I had a goal of how to create it and how to like win over the dancers so they would own this piece um, and take it and that piece um, and then an the audience kind of owning it and taking it and that piece um, really was um, very well received. Uh, we took it to a um, regional conference and it was selected um, from that regional conference to go to a national conference. Um, and performed at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. a couple years ago. Um, and uh, another um, organization saw it there. And so I had the opportunity to restage that piece with um, my alma mater, St. Olaf College, a couple years ago. And it was a, like a whole new experience where I was able to bring um, one of the original cast members in uh, because they had so much say over what, how the piece was developed and had so much um, to share that I couldn't have even brought as a choreographer. And we kind of rebuilt that piece and that experience. And I was like, can I rebuild this piece? Because it's not about just the performance of it, which is, you know, what people were drawn to. But it was the, the kind of emotional and, like, experience of the dancer. It was very... <laughs> very difficult I mean there was like and the difficulty was not just in the dancing but literally if you don't get your button hooked or unhooked the whole piece sort of falls apart so it had these technical elements which were honestly very stressful to the dancers which was why it was important for me to bring in an original cast member to to be in it with them and to kind of win them over to owning this piece because that's what really kind of made it um, uh, relatable, I think. Uh, so I think, I think though I love like looking at maybe a final product and that kind of thing, the, the experience along the way has become so much more interesting and important to me. And I've discovered that the product sort of works itself out when the focus becomes about the experience of the humans that are working to create it. Um, and so I just have loved the development of, you know, challenging myself to create an environment and facilitate an environment where people feel safe to bring parts of themselves and parts of their own artistic voice into, into the experience. And it's important to me, you know, to give, to give credit to that. Like, I just want to ask you um, briefly about your work with films and, and screen dance. Um, tell me a little bit about um, your interest and your work in that area as we wrap up. 
So most of my exploration has just been personal exploration. And um, though I'd love to, I mean, continue to learn and go to film school and all the things, I've um, just learned a lot along the way. I've done lots of workshops um, in screen dance and different things and um, have mostly enjoyed really building curriculum here at Bellhaven to teach. Um, different aspects of technology and particularly film so choreographing with the idea that this um, the product will be seen on a screen or honestly a variation of that so I do a lot of what I would consider more installation and I've seen a lot of um, ineffective use of technology as as we a lot of times it's kind of like you know art pushes technology and then technology pushes art and that kind of thing. So it's like, well, we have access and we have more more access. We have we have, you know, cheaper equipment that we can get access to. And so I see more people involved, but it be can become, especially on the stage, like there can be, you know, film in the background and dance in the front. And there's just this amazing thing that if there is a screen and there are live humans, humans watch a screen. And, and there, it just fascinates me, you know, we go into restaurants and if there's, if there's something on a TV, it's very hard to look into the eyes across from you and not get distracted by that um, screen. And so like, that's actually been a fascinating thing for me to go, how can, how can you unite them more? How can it not be in conflict, but actually be in layering and support of one another? So I, I look at that on stage and then also, you know, just choreographing, like what specifically are the, um, are the, uh, you know, um, possibilities and confinement of this particular medium and so that's been interesting have um, created a, a few films over the years um, would like to do a few more haven't done any recently but been more of a mentor of some students who are creating some great work and, and that's encouraging because I do think you know um, I may never pursue screen dance to the full capacity of um, what's possible out there, but I am pretty confident that um, some of the, the artists that I encounter kind of in this program and in other ways will, and um, I'm so excited to encourage their creativity in that with the experience that I've gained um, through either the workshops, but mostly just the, you know, the kind of swimming in the deep end experience of this is what I've learned along the way and this is how I'm here to support you and um, challenge you and ask questions and those kind of things, so. Well, this conversation has been uh, inspiring and enlightening. And Erin, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, I'm Melody Moody Thordis, and you're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast. You can also hear the show on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. To hear all our conversations with creative Mississippians, be sure to subscribe to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast on your favorite podcasting app.
Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app.